You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker of Predominantly Orange, your daily Broncos podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Locked On Broncos podcast. It is Friday, and I know that you guys are very excited. We, we're building up the schedule. We talked about a little bit briefly yesterday about the schedule being released. We talked about some of the matchups, but we're going in-depth today, and we are well-adjusted with Mario Vitanzi and my co-host Cameron Parker on today's episode of Locked On Broncos, which I want to give a quick shout-out to Body Armor, the first-ever real natural sports drink on the market. I'm drinking a blueberry pomegranate light right now, 28 ounces of superior hydration with potassium-based electrolytes over Gatorade sodium-based electrolytes. I love it. I love the coconut water, the berry taste. It is very, very delicious. And head to your local King Supers, Walmart, Walgreens, Sam's Club, wherever you get your beverages, and try a Body Armor Sports drink today. So we got a jam-packed Friday episode for you guys. It's going to be a little bit longer than our normal episodes because we have a lot to digress with. But first off, I want to introduce Mario and Cameron. Mario, Hey, man, it's been a couple weeks since we had you here. We know you went to WrestleMania. You got to have a little bit of a fun experience out there. We got to live vicariously through you on social media. But now you're back, and you got a lot of good things going, man. So uh, for the schedule release, very stoked to have you. Yeah, man, we're we're back and ready to go. Took a nice little uh, nice little vacation. Had to get my mind right because, you know, man, it's, it's, it's 24-7. You know, I'm never really off the clock. So anytime that I can you know, set aside some time to join you guys and get on the Locked on Broncos podcast. It's a good day. I love it that. is a good day. It is a good day. And uh, yeah, it, it's going to be always good, man, when, when, when you're on here and we can talk all things Denver Broncos because there's n- never an off. Oh, wait. There, I was oh, yeah, say that's right. Well, you know, you would think the way that the last <laughs> yesterday and the day, or I guess it was uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, where they had full-on two-a-days training camp. So apparently Fangio's been listening to 104.3 because he's like, oh, there's no off-season? Good. Training camp, two-a-days, two days in a row. Let's get it. It's been fun to watch, too, because you know I talked to a couple of Broncos players, and already Coach Fangio's presence has been felt. I mean, they know that he's a no-nonsense guy, and and his tone, his attitude, it's upbeat, and, and they're in the learning process about that, which I think is very, very fun. Is you know He's not really looking and right now he's seeing what, what guys are learning from because they spent the, the first two weeks of the offseason program going through lifting, conditioning, meetings, and learning installs and everything like that. Now you carry it onto the field. He's seeing what they're learning and if they're picking it up and, and whether or not they're going to translate some of the mistakes they're making now over into OTAs here in a couple of weeks. So Coach Fangio, the buzz is really good, and he's got he's having a fun time with the media. I mean, he's given all of us a hard time, and it's been fun to kind of hear a sense of humor. But I like that. He's no-nonsense serious. And when it comes to the schedule release, he says really the only thing that matters to him right now is the first two opponents. That's who they're going to start working on. And you know, I figured we'd open up 
today's episode with the show. We have a big week one matchup on the road, Monday night football at the Oakland Raiders. Now, the storyline for this, guys, is the Broncos are heading to John Green. Last time they played in Oakland, I mean, it was uncertain whether or not the the Raiders are going to be Oakland. So this could be the uh, this could be the final time that the Broncos actually play in Oakland for the final time. I know that's been a story for the last couple of years, but John Gruden, Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, some offseason additions for them. The new look Raiders, obviously having Trent Brown as a tackle to protect Derek Carr and Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. They're going to look to get after him a little bit, but this is a big matchup to open up the season. And the, the rough thing about it is they open up on the road for the first time in nine years. This is a big game to start off the season. And ultimately, I think it will set the tone for the rest of the way. We hope. I mean, we, we certainly hope that it sets the tone, but it, it it's definitely a grueling stretch before you go to the bye week. I mean, we talked about it yesterday, and I, I mean, we don't know necessarily the type of team that we're going to get with maybe Jacksonville and 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 with, maybe with Tennessee with with Marcus Mariota, but or should we say with the AFC South? But yeah, it's it's a grueling stretch when you go from week one to week ten with the amount of opponents that they have to play and. I mean, thankfully they have a bye week and then and then into Minnesota. But and I think that for me, it's it's going to be a very it's going to be a very tough test to go from Oakland to Chicago and then from Chicago to Green Bay in particular with with those particular divisional opponents. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that Fangio put it best is that who knows necessarily what you're going to get into. It's an interesting start to the season. I you assume that they're just going to recycle all of the all of the old school footage that they had used for last year's uh, Broncos Raiders Monday night game that was allegedly the last meeting in the Oakland Coliseum on a Monday night. Uh, so that, I mean, maybe they don't. Maybe they're like, well, maybe we should just hold off on that. People have seen it already, just in case something crazy happens and they end up playing here another year. But Obviously, some storylines, you know, we kind of know the history. There's a little bit of history between Chris Harris and Antonio Brown, you know, and obviously Emmanuel Sanders and Antonio Brown were teammates in Pittsburgh. And of course, you have Brandon Marshall going up against his former team. So you would think that that's why they wanted to get this game as the first Monday night game, you know, the opening the opening Monday nighter for the season. There's a lot of plot lines and people want to see. Antonio Brown and Gruden and the Raiders in the primetime game. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying right out of the gate that this is a must win. And I know that that's going to sound crazy. <laughs> I totally understand that. But even in the years like that, five and 11 years, the five and 11 year, a couple seasons ago, and then even last year, this team's usually starts hot. They win early on in the season. And Cody, like you said, it's the first time in nine years that they haven't been opening at home. So maybe something changes but the bottom line is this team typically wins the first game of the season they had a chance to spoil Oakland's departure last year they totally blew it but now they've been given a second chance now they have a chance to actually spoil the departure and I I, I haven't looked at the Raiders schedule I would assume that they're not hosting two Monday night games in the same season because that would be insane to me but I guess crazier things have happened This gives them the chance to, A, start the season off on the right foot, and B, kind of redeem themselves from what they did last season when they could have kicked them to the curb and said, yeah, good riddance, kiss Oakland goodbye. Didn't have a chance to do it last year, but this year, this is the year, okay? It's almost like the universe gave them a part, and it's like, look, man, nobody likes the Raiders. Send them packing and just leave them with a bad taste in their mouth. 
And what better way to do it than to start the season with a win against Oakland and then that last, that Week 17 game, to end the season on a win against Oakland. That would just that's the perfect bookmark to this 2019 season. Well, and it really does set things up, too, because the last time the Broncos opened up on Monday Night Football on the road at Oakland, Jay Cutler was the quarterback. Eddie Royal became a rookie sensation as the Broncos beat the Raiders 41-14. to That was a fun game to watch. The Broncos got off to a very, very fast start. I mean, a high-scoring start that season. I remember they played the Raiders, then they went on the Week 2 to play the Chargers. They won 39-38 to on the Jay Cutler at Hockley fumble rule. Man, there's a lot of history there. But yeah, you open the season against the Oakland Raiders, and you close the season week 17 against the Raiders as well. A lot on the line in this matchup, and it's definitely going to be a big one. As Mario said, a must win, but let's transition to week two now, the regular season. It's a little bit of a reunion, a big game for the Broncos as Coach Fangio. He faces his former team. He knows Matt Nagy. He knows the offense a little bit well. Chuck Pagano's taken over as defensive coordinator for the Bears, but one thing I do know about this is Coach Fangio knows Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears offense really, really well, so I'm certain that they're going to have have a very solidified game plan there to help ail, you know, Mitch Trubisky a little bit and to be able to stop that. You know, Bryce Callahan, it's going to be an interesting storyline. Yeah, Bryce Callahan, Coach Fangio, Ed Donatel against the Bears, the teams that they were currently last on last season. So this is still tough one. I mean, it's based on everything, the Chicago Bears defense on paper still looks pretty darn tough. It's kind of fascinating. You know, we talked a little bit about how Brandon Marshall, the Broncos are going to be beginning this season with uh, with Brandon Marshall against, uh, or at least on the Oakland Raiders. Well, actually, if you look at it, they're going to be beginning this season with their starting two linebackers from Super Bowl 50. I mean, so at least that are on different teams with Danny Trebathan in on the Chicago Bears. I think that it, it's going to be really cool to see that certain reunion. And, and as you said, I mean, Vic Fangio has a lot of familiarity with Mick, Matt Nagy as, as the, the head coach down there with the Chicago Bears and the identity that he has there on offense. And we, we saw last year when the Broncos started 2-0, and it, it seemed like they were very comfortable to win. But we we certainly won't know if they're going to be 2-0. and It certainly would be something if the Denver Broncos did start 2-0 and or let alone 2-0 and into Green Bay. But it, it's, it's going to be a very interesting one. I think for Vic Fangio, there's a lot of storylines, what have you, with the Chicago Bears game. And I think that, who knows, a lot of momentum could be taken if the Broncos do come away with a, a win in, in Oakland for that Chicago Bears game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out with a pretty bold proclamation here and say that not only are the Broncos going to win this game, I think they're going to dominate this game. If there is one consistent thing that this team has done, it's what? You win your home opener. I don't know what it is, but again, even in those down years, last year they beat the Seahawks, who at the time everyone thought was, you know, that they were on the down, and then they ended up making the playoffs and almost, you know, made a run in the playoffs. The year before that, they beat the Chargers, who are a borderline playoff team. The year before that, coming off the Super Bowl 50 win, they beat the Panthers with Trevor Simeon. So there's just something about this team and their home openers. And again, maybe it's because that's the season opening feel and they're not opening the season. But you take that into consideration that it's the home opener. Not only that, Fangio knows exactly what this Bears defense is. Now, don't get me wrong. This Bears defense is very, very good, but it is also kind of scrapped for parts. You know, when you have a successful defense like that, look. Bryce Callahan, who actually came into the office today, shout out Vitanzi Therapy, no big deal. This is an example, right? He was plucked because he was on a very good defense, 
And that's what happens. It's what it's like what happened to the Broncos defense after Super Bowl 50. When you have the best defense and you can't afford to pay all these big name guys, you're going to lose some dudes along the way. You pair that with the fact that Fangio knows what kind of defense they're running. To put this into to put this into perspective, this was kind of like when John Gruden was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they played the Raiders way back when in whatever Super Bowl that was. I think we were in like middle school. You guys might have been in elementary school. I think I'm older. I, I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, that Raiders team was actually much better than that Buccaneers team. And people forget. And Tampa Bay smacked them in the mouth because they had Gruden and Gruden knew exactly what that team was going to do. I see the same kind of deal as far as this Fangio defense and how they are going to react to this Bears team. Now, we already know the Bears, not the most explosive offense. Not only there were a couple games last year when Trubisky kind of put up like Madden-esque numbers. But for the most part, you know, Trubisky is a middle-of-the-road quarterback. I think his ceiling's high. I don't think he's quite there yet. Tariq Cohen is their number one running back, and he's more of a gadget guy to me than anything. He's not really – he doesn't strike me as a carry-the-load guy. They don't have, you know, that superstar receiver. So now you have this Broncos team that is translating into almost the Chicago Bears of the AFC in terms of defense and wanting to run the ball. So when you take a guy who was the defensive coordinator and a very successful defensive coordinator, you pluck him from that team and you put him up against that former team the following season, especially in week two, when you haven't had like a lot of time to adjust and do new things. I think the Bears come in here. I think the Broncos beat them by double digits. I like that proclamation too. And you mentioned something about the Broncos winning home games in their in their season opener. And you go back to the Carolina Panthers game, and it almost seemed like the odds were stacked against Denver in that game late. And Graham Gano misses a potential game winning field goal. The next year, you host the LA Chargers. They go for a game winning field goal, and it's blocked by Shelby Harris. That followed up the next season with the Seattle Seahawks coming to town. The Seahawks were having a lot of fun with the Broncos, and then the Broncos coming back late, driving late, and winning it late with a Brandon McManus field goal. I think the storyline is that, look, there's mile-high magic on the season opener, and I expect Broncos country to be out in fashion with the orange rally towels, being loud, yelling in, complete. That's one thing I'm excited for, and as you mentioned, Coach Fangio, I think he's got an ace in the deck against this one, but hey, let's get to week number three. Now, this is a little bit more interesting one, and before the schedule came out, I was a little relieved it wasn't in December, and, and Mario will tell you guys why he wishes it was in December, but the Broncos have to go on the road at Lambeau Field to take on the Packers on an Eastern time zone game, 11 o'clock a.m. Mountain Time game. We know how the Broncos historically have played in those earlier games. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the jet lag. I don't know if it's the earlier start, but I'm glad they get this game out of the way a little bit earlier rather than later, especially in the cold weather because those Wisconsin winners are a lot different than those Denver winners. Yeah, it, it can be one of those uh, one of those tricky ones. But I mean, hey, that's sort of the luck you get when you face the Green Bay Packers very early on in the season. And I, I think one of the, the the key things we we might see some continuation. And I think that that's why the, the, the this set of games is a little bit tricky because and it's the hardest set of games because it could go a lot of ways from the standpoint of it could make or break their season before the bye week, and it can also even create maybe a potential winning streak. And if if Denver comes away with a really hard-fought win or, or just a win, like Mario saying, say they come away with a double-digit win against the Chicago Bears, that might be enough momentum to carry them into, say, the Green Bay Packers game where they're playing in Lambeau. So who honestly knows 
what we're going to get. We know the defensive outburst that we saw of the Green Bay Packers in that Super Bowl season, or should we say, that was really impressive. And if Denver can, should we say, match that and, and keep that, it, it, I, I would not be shocked if Denver comes into Green Bay and, and pulls off a win because obviously Vic Fangio and the, even the familiarity of, 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 should we say, coaching against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, this is a tough one. The reason that I would have liked to see it in December is, you know, as a person that travels to the away games, I just think it would be an awesome experience to be able to go to Lambeau Field in December. You know, the frozen tundra. There's nothing better than that, right, as far as football is concerned. But no, of course, it's got to be week three of the season when it's probably going to be beautiful weather, but it'll still be fine. Now, as far as the game is concerned, you, you bring up a good point, Cody, as far as like the early start time. That's just been like a bugaboo. Like when the Broncos have to travel to the East Coast and they have to play that early game because you know, they, they, they get in last year, at least they get in the day before they have to play a football game about actually less than 24 hours later, you know, after a three to four, four and a half, whatever hour plane ride when they are going over to these East Coast games. So it's unfortunate that it's an early start time. Um, but this Packers team, man, it's, it's hard to figure out, right? Because you have Aaron Rodgers. So anytime that you look at this Packers team, as long as they've had Aaron Rodgers, they're always in the game. Even last year when they had a down year and Aaron Rodgers wasn't really playing like Aaron Rodgers, you kind of expected them to be the favorite in most games. And even when they're not the favorite to at least be in those games up until the very end. So this is just a, this is such a tricky team to figure out because outside of Devontae Adams, they really have no offensive weapons for Aaron Rodgers unless you want to count Aaron Jones for some reason. Their defense is fine but young. They lost Clay Matthews, who's the heartbeat of that defense. So I think this is going to be a down year for the Packers. I think this might be you know one of those rare years where the Lions don't finish in the cellar. It might actually be the Packers. Uh, so pre-draft, I will say as the pre-draft prediction, I think the Broncos win this game probably because it's not in December. I mean, December's like in December in green Bay. That's one of those places. It's just really hard to play the colder that it gets. So from my circumstance, from my standpoint, yeah, I'm bummed that I don't get to be in green Bay in December, but from a Denver Broncos standpoint, when the weather's probably going to be pretty nice up in green Bay at the end of September, I'm fine with that. So bold proclamation. I saw some people predicting we start 0-3. Hell, man, we start 3-0. Why not? I don't trust this Packers team, and I'm not a big LaFleur fan. Like I don't know why they hired him. Seems like that's the guy that Aaron Rodgers wanted, and who knows if they're going to be copacetic. We know it's a, it's a first-year head coach that doesn't seem like his style meshes with what they're trying to do. This might be a rough year for the Packers, so the Broncos have to get out there, get after it, and win this game. Well, I think for the Packers, too, the last time these two teams met up in the regular season, we saw DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller get after Aaron Rodgers like we haven't seen anybody else before. Everybody was trying to figure out, how do you stop a quarterback of the caliber of Aaron Rodgers, who's so good at finding time with his legs, being mobile, throwing on the run? And the Broncos created a formula, I believe, in that 2015 season that said, hey, look, we found a way to stop one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And that came to fruition even later on as the Broncos defeated not only Ben Roethlisberger and the playoffs but also Tom Brady and MVP Cam Newton at that time so 
ultimately, I think the Broncos have a good game plan here. Like I said, I think there are some question marks with the Packers, with Matt LaFleur as their new head coach. Aaron Rodgers coming off of an injury. My biggest question with them for this offseason is, are they going to put some pieces around Aaron Rodgers? We, we know that Aaron Rodgers is great, but if they don't put any pieces around him at receiver or any other positions or at tight end, Jimmy Graham, we know he dealt with an injury last season. I don't think that the Packers will be as good as they have been in the past, and we started to see a little downhill slope last season. So with that said, now we get back to a home game here, week four. This is going to be an interesting one because right now I would say, if you asked me last season about the Jaguars, I would say, okay, I would be, you know, I'm excited for the Broncos to play them because they're not as great as advertised. However, I still have some skepticism with them on September 29th when they come to Denver. The only difference in this game that has me a little like head scratching, okay, looking at it is that you have a different quarterback, a guy who is, I think is more solidified and more established than Blake Bortles was. The question is that defense will still be good. You still have Jalen Ramsey, but will that defense come back to play? I mean, there were so many different concerns that the Jaguars raised for the NFL they became frauds being in the AFC championship the week the year prior and then coming about the next season you know having guys get arrested hours before a game in London they they just seemed disarray there was a lot of issues in that locker room I'm eager to see what Jacksonville team shows up in 2019 especially in week four coming to Denver it's gonna have to start with the quarterback position and I think that that's why there's a little uncertainty as far as you know what Jacksonville team is gonna show up because I mean, let's just say we get good Nick Foles. Well, then it's going to be a really good game. I mean, because we know on the defensive side of the ball, you got guys like Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, and um, uh, Telvin Smith, and, and and a bunch of other defensive playmakers. Lewis Campbell. I mean, you got a lot of playmakers still on that defensive side of the ball to create a lot of problems for the Broncos on offense. And we know that as far as creating pressure on Joe Flacco. He's going to have to be standing upright this entire season. And that's to me is going to be one of the largest things even throughout the season that they have to keep him upright. And this, this might be one of those particular games as well, even with, you know, with the Chicago bears, even going up against with Kalia Mack too. So I, they really do have to keep, I would say Joe Flacco upright in this game because it can be pretty worrisome. Anytime that you rid yourself of Blake Bortles as your starting quarterback, that's going to be addition by subtraction. So this is going to be one of those games where because the Jaguars were down last year, a lot of people are just going to expect the Broncos to roll them. But I don't see that happening. And it's not because of Nick Foles. Like, am I the only person that is just that has not bought in to the Nick Foles hype? Like, look, okay, Super Bowl MVP. I get that. I don't want all the hate like, whoa, you're stupid. He was a Super Bowl MVP. Man, I know that. I watched the Super Bowl. I'm with it. But what I'm saying is he had the perfect system in place in Philadelphia. Is that the kind of system that they're going to have in Jacksonville? Because the offensive system that I've seen them running in Jacksonville, maybe is because they have Blake Bortles and he can't do anything. Maybe that's why they do what they do. But I'm just not impressed with their offense. But their defense was what got them to the point they were a couple years ago when they were literally one pass away from being in the Super Bowl. Their defense was what kept them somewhat relevant last year and like somewhat in games. But their offense was so bad, was so anemic, you know, especially with Leonard Fournette, who they structured their entire offense around, not being able to stay on the field. It's really a toss-up. This is another team that's hard to figure out. Just It's almost like Green Bay. Like We've seen what they're capable of doing. We've seen the potential. But it's just the team that last year, despite all of these lofty expectations – 
could not live up to the billing. So are they going to bounce back and is Nick Foles going to lead him back to the promised land? Or are they going to be the same sorry ass Jaguars that we've come to know and love? So as of now, I think the Broncos start four and oh. And you know, it, obviously I'm looking through orange and blue colored glasses. Accuse me of that all you want. But when we get down to brass tacks, this is a team that typically starts the season very well. And I keep bringing this up. I'm hammering this home. Even on those years, like the year that they went five and 11, if I remember correctly, that they st- they started three and one. The year after the Super Bowl, when Trevor freaking Simeon was their quarterback, they started that year four and oh. They are a hot starting team. And hopefully they stop, start hot this upcoming season, and they remain hot through the year. See, that's been the bugaboo the last several years. Is like the first quarter of the season, this team has been going 3-1, and 4-0, like relatively consistently, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. But now the problem is maintaining that the rest of the season. So, you know, say what you will about me. Obviously, I'm a fan. Otherwise, we would not be doing this Locked on Broncos podcast. And again, I might be biased because I know these guys personally and, you know, do what I can to keep them on the field. But as it stands right now, I think this Broncos team gets out to a 4-0 star. Now, what happens after that is certainly up for more discussion. I certainly agree, too. I mean, it is on paper when you look at it. I mean, a lot of people are going to factor in their analysis right now. I mean, if you watch the ESPN schedule reveal, you had every analyst on there going through every team's schedule and already clicking on the win-loss column. I mean, right now, the Broncos and the Raiders have the toughest schedule based on strength of schedule in the NFL next season. So that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. Like you mentioned, you know, they do start off fast. Can they maintain that momentum? We've seen historically they haven't done that since Peyton Manning was their quarterback. Now, in Peyton Manning, I mean, they had a, they had a couple of slow starts. I remember, I, I believe they started two and three, and then it just all came. You know, it was a different story after that twenty-four point comeback Monday Night Football that Peyton Manning led against the Chargers. They won twelve straight after that. I mean, they won every game after that, and unfortunately lost in the Super Bowl that year. But they they do have a tendency to start good and then sputter. That's going to be a measure that I'm looking at and seeing how they start. Now, if they start off maybe you know two and two or you know maybe a, a two and three or something for the first couple of weeks I might not have as much skepticism because I, I think right now on paper it is a brutal schedule but I'm eager to see if they can rise up to the challenge I know coach Fangio based on you know I'm Mario you probably heard on this be by having Broncos players walk in I've talked to several Broncos players this week they love the energy the attitude already of coach Fangio and I think that could make a big difference compared to what Vance Joseph had last season because now it is all business on the field for the Broncos but coming up here in segment number two we're going to continue with our NFL schedule breakdown as the Broncos are on the road to open up week five but before we jump into that I gotta remind you guys last night the Nuggets played the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio did Jamal Murray show up with a big game what was the outcome of that did the Nuggets go up 2-1 in the series or are they down fighting their way back and hoping to snag at least one game on the road in San Antonio before heading back to the can Adam Adas of Locked On Nuggets has you covered with the full scoop all right, back here on Lockdown Broncos, our schedule breakdown here with Mario Vitanzi. We are well adjusted, and let's get right into it. Week five, the Broncos, they go on the road to take on the L.A. Chargers, which we can constitute based on history that this is going to be 
like a home game for the Broncos. Broncos country represents very, very well in California, in L.A., and in San Francisco. We saw it for the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is packed with orange, and every year on the road at L.A., there's a lot of orange in the stands. Now, the storyline for this, obviously, divisional game. Look, the Broncos got to take care of division games early on because those are important towards the end of the year. Where you're in a tough division with the Chiefs and the Chargers, who knows what the Raiders are going to look like. And right now, there are a lot of questions that people have for the Broncos. So you have to take care of division games above everything else at this point to start off the season because it does set things up and makes things interesting late because you're going to close out the season with some divisional matchups as well. We got Phillip Rivers coming back. I mean, it seems like he just keeps drinking the potion. He has nine kids. If I had nine kids, I'd probably be 65 years old already in terms of my mental mentality, but he's keep, you know he's going strong. Melvin Gordon, that defense, Joey Bosa, they have Melvin Ingram still. They're adding pieces. Derwin James lit the NFL world on fire as a defensive rookie. It will be an interesting matchup on this one. And realistically, I, I want to see how the Broncos respond on the road in divisional uh, divisional matchup because they haven't done that really well in the last couple of seasons. Well, the other guy, too, that it may very well fly under the radar is Hunter Henry. I mean, Hunter Henry's been injured the past handful of seasons. And I think the, the impressive thing with the Chargers is... Wait, boy, ha- Cam, hold on. According to Stephen A. Smith... Hunter Henry was never hurt, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Your sources: Hunter Henry was never hurt. So do your facts straight, Cameron. <laughs> hey, that's that. Uh, I guess that's a ten million dollar man versus a uh, like a whatever it is that we make. Whatever it is that we make. No, I guess I, if it's just yell incoherently, then we'll get paid. Maybe that's the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the mo. <laughs> I, I think for 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 at least the Chargers, those. I mean, Vic Fangio talked about injuries and, and changes of, of schedules and and what have you that can change from week to week to week. Well, that's as we all know, the Los Angeles Chargers and, sh- and should we know the Green Bay Packers may be one of the most injury riddled teams in the entire National Football League. We know the Broncos had that happen to them last year. I mean, that's our hope this year is that the, we don't have that exact same problem in 2019, but the chargers dealt with their injuries. I mean, I think they had a, a numerous amount of injuries on the defense side of the ball. Now on the offensive side of the ball with, with, with Hunter Henry. So I, I think for me, Hunter Henry might be the the one that's kind of that wild card as far as, you know, will he be there this year? And I, I, I think for just for the Broncos sake, I mean, this chargers team is good. I mean, they, they have a lot of playmakers on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. I know that they lost Tyrell Williams, and I believe he went to Oakland. So, I mean, you're looking at still a, a offense that still has Mike Williams, still has Keenan Allen, may have Hunter Henry healthy for an entire season, and Antonio Gates, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, I mean uh, Derwin James. And, and the other guy that goes and flies under the radar is Desmond King. Uh, this team really is stacked. So I, I think that... Yeah, it, as far as divisional goes, I mean, the fact that you're facing two of the three teams already on the road, it's a tough task. This is another team that's hard to figure out, and not in the same way that the Jags and the Packers are, but because this team is always stacked. Every single year, people pick the Chargers to be the team that finally figures it out. And then towards the end of the season last year, it finally seemed like it was going to happen, right? They got a tough draw against Baltimore in the first week of the playoffs, and they beat down on them. And then they went against New England, 
And I think we all remember how that game went. They totally pooped the bed. It was almost like, I didn't expect to get this far. I don't, I'm not sure what to do with my hands now. So this is a Chargers team, man. They have as much or more talent than really any other team. Like, you can put their talent up against just about any team in the NFL, but there's still something off about them. Like, there's still something. Like, they just can't get over that hump to go from being a great team to, like, a perennial contender, like, to being an elite team. That being said, I think that the Chargers are one of those teams that the Broncos are just destined to go to go splitsies with for the immediate future. And, you know, we got one in L.A. last year, and I think it flip-flops. I think this, in my opinion, in my dream, not dream scenario, but in, in this picture that I've painted for everybody so far, this is the first loss of the season. They're going to be coming off of a tough game. Like what I'm going to predict is like a defensive struggle, maybe a little bit banged up going against that Jaguars team in week four, that stout defense. I think the following week they struggle in L.A. against the Chargers, and I think that's going to be their first loss of the season. But like I said, they just strike me, and it's a division game. This strikes me as a team and as a matchup where they're just going to split it. So spoiler, when the Broncos play them (laughs) later on, they're going to win in Denver. But – this is a tough draw, and, and, and as hilarious as it is to joke that, you know, when the Broncos play there, and how was that that game, and I was astounded at how much orange there was, it is still in L.A. It is still a road trip, and I think people kind of let that fall by the wayside. And believe it or not, this Chargers team, they do have a lot of pride in themselves and in their team, even if nobody wants to root for them. They're not going to lose to the Broncos two years in a row, I would think. Hopefully I'm wrong. But this just seems like uh, this seems like a tough matchup. You know, you start the the second quarter of the season, which historically, you know, as good as the Broncos have been in the first quarter of the season, they haven't been so great in the second quarter. You know, that's when they start to hit the lull. So hopefully it doesn't happen. But I'm chalking this one up as a loss. Well, so the one the one thing I want to add quickly too is, however, what is the one thing we do know about Philip Rivers late in games when it comes to the Denver Broncos? He's, He's scared, scared of Von, Von Miller. Miller for some reason, whether it results in a win or loss for them. He does throw a very critical interception late in games. Yeah. I, well, hopefully he does that. And hopefully, and hopefully, I mean, the one narrative we haven't really talked much about, but you know, I, I'm optimistic and hopeful something gets done is hopefully he can throw the interception to Chris Harris Jr., who had a big interception against them last year on the road in L.A. They like to go at each other. Phillip Rivers loves to test Chris Harris Jr., and Chris Harris Jr. loves to bite back, and, and it's definitely a fun matchup to watch. But the following week, the Broncos are back home week six against the Tennessee Titans, and the new scheme they have there, obviously, with Marcus Mariota, I think he's not done there it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out with them though Derrick Henry emerged last year had a phenomenal season big big guy compared to their other running backs and Deion Lewis but also one thing I want to look at in this matchup is it's going to be a physical game if we know anything we know Mike Vrabel is going to be sending everything to the Broncos after Joe Flacco and the one thing that really bothers me about this game is that the Broncos next game is a very very short turnaround just a four-day difference for a Thursday night football game the following week so the hope in this game for the Broncos is to come out, establish the run, and maybe get a lead and, and protect guys. That would be my best hope for this game. But if you have a, a slobber knocker, as JR would like to say, and I know Mario's going to love that one because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're listening to this and you know what that Knock is, out. Yeah. Knock out. <laughs> they killed him. They killed him. 
<laughs> great, great things there with JR, though. But the thing is, is hopefully the Broncos can hold on to that because, yeah, like I said, Thursday night football games, the transition from Sunday to Thursday, I think is definitely unfair. I think it's uh, a detriment to player safety, and I hope that they fix it in the next collective bargaining agreement between the NFL and the NFLPA. So not to basically be that guy because we haven't even played week one. We're a week away from uh, we're a week away or so from the NFL draft. Is this a trap game? Yeah, I mean, absolutely it is. I mean, because if you look at it, you got the Chargers October 6th. Then you have the Tennessee Titans October 13th. And right after that, you face the Kansas City Chiefs at home at 620 on Thursday night. <laughs> is that a trap game? I mean, that to me is one of the things that I, as far as the strong takeaways that I had looking at this Tennessee Titans game, I mean, the Tennessee Titans, maybe in some ways like the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, you have no idea what they're going to represent in that AFC South. I mean, is Marcus Mariota going to reemerge and, and be that guy that we saw a few years ago? Or is he just going to be that guy that we saw last year? Yeah, this is a weird team because it's like this is another team that seems to have plenty of talent and enough talent to win. And they're a schizo team. They'll beat teams that they have no business beating, and they'll lose to, lose to teams that they have no business losing to. But, Cam, I think you absolutely nailed it. This is 100% a trap game, and let me explain to you why. Like, just, like, the, the mental dichotomy of this situation. Thursday night in Denver, they have the Kansas City Chiefs. Every single player on this team hates the Kansas City Chiefs. They hate Kansas City. Hell, man, they don't even like barbecue during the regular season, okay? Like, the hatred runs deep. And they are well aware of the upper trajectory that the Chiefs are on, thanks to Patrick Mahomes. And they are also very, very well aware that they have not beaten this team since, what was it, that week two or week three matchup in Kansas City, the year they won the Super Bowl. I don't want to get into numbers, but it has been way too many games and way too many years since the Broncos have defeated the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, since they're the division opponent, and because I'm going to try and take my orange my orange goggles off just a little bit, I think that they split with the Chiefs as well. I think Chargers and Chiefs, they split. I'm going to say right now that I think they sweep the Raiders. Uh, and because this is a Thursday night game, because you know they have the Titans the week before, I think they lose to the Titans. Because I think all of their attention, all of their focus, and all of their energy is going to be going into Kansas City to the point where they're going to overlook the Titans. They're not going to be as prepared as they should have been. And this is going to be a situation where the Titans beat a team that, you know, one could argue they don't have any business beating. But I think they come into mile high, they beat Denver, but then on the the short turnaround, because we get to stay in Denver, which can't be overstated, like how much of an advantage that gives teams. I think the Broncos beat the Chiefs on that Thursday. So a little bit of redemption, you know, they – they might lose back-to-back games. They come back down to earth. But getting that win against Kansas City, who at that point very well could be undefeated, um, I think it's going to be a huge game. I think it's awesome that at that point it's going to be a Thursday night game. I think it's it's going to be in that breath of you know potential division leader. And so I think the Broncos win that game, and it's going to be maybe their most important game of the season because it's the only primetime game in Denver, and it's against the Chiefs. But that being said, man, it's like you said, Cam, I can't get over the idea that this is a trap game against the Titans big time, and Marcus Mariota is just good enough and just dangerous enough to sneak up and kill you. 
I, I absolutely agree with you there because the way I view it, just by looking at the schedule, you know, they have that that Tennessee Titans game, but you know. We see NFL teams, we see they, they get often into the mindset of looking ahead to the divisional game on Thursday night football, like the bigger game. And this could be that exact replica there. And I know the Broncos aren't going to forget that Monday night football loss at home to the Chiefs where Case Keenum missed Demarius Thomas, you know, on a cover two fade where Case Keenum overthrew DT. That will forever be in my head. Say that, say that again. <laughs> so we're One going more back. Time. Monday sure, Night Football. People in the back, please. Because yes. there's still people that put that on DT. Not at all. So, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll go back to it real quick. Instant replay. Monday Night Football. The last minute drive. Andy Janovich just coming off of a crazy 30-yard catch. And then you have... Demarius Thomas going up against cover two. The cornerback does a terrible job in the press. DT stems the release, gets to the outside. Case Keenum overfloats it over his head. That's not on Demarius Thomas. If you guys, if, if people know the game of football, you know how you do a fade against cover two because you're going to have that jam leverage safety over the top. You have to fit that ball in there, and, and Case Keenum did a poor job. Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco makes that throw. But anyways, to get back on the subject here, the Broncos do not forget that Monday night football loss at home, and I just remember being so just like lost for words because the Broncos entered the fourth quarter up 10 points and they just blew it. They didn't run the ball with Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman who were absolutely having a phenomenal game. They were given, they were a pain in the Chiefs defense and they couldn't do anything in that fourth quarter. They tried running the ball one time, they got stopped and then they panicked. They went to the pass more so and I remember just throwing it on third down and not really stopping the clock and just kind of wondering in my head what is going on and then you have a terrible punt by Marquette King and then all of a sudden the Chiefs come back and they win. That was a life sucker for everybody in Broncos country. I mean, it, it just sucked the soul right out of the arena. It was a rough one. The Broncos do not let that happen on Thursday night football. And we remember last time these two teams played on Thursday night football, Bradley Roby scoop and score, Broncos win, and that was a big, big thing. That was the Super Bowl season for there. So obviously a big game in that regard. But getting into week eight, this is gonna be a little interesting too because they get to travel to the Pioneer and maybe he'll write them a letter to to uh, his dearest mother, but the Broncos get to take on Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. And now we saw last year, Andrew Luck, comeback player of the year, well-deserved. Many people thought he'd never play football again because people were saying, well, he, you know, he's not able to throw. His throwing motion is destroyed. He came out and he set the NFL world on fire a little bit, turned a lot of naysayers there. It helps that they had Darius Leonard. They had good defensive talent to help him out. He didn't have to do too much, but he did. He did a lot of great things. And for the Broncos, you have to go on the road. I mean, you get 10 days of rest, which I think is great in between games coming off of a Thursday night game, but you get to go and you get to take on the Colts in Indianapolis, a place where the Broncos have not had a lot of success. In a span of three weeks um, with the Kansas City Chiefs, after they leave Tennessee, they will be facing, and this is not you know, a, a, fa- a fallacy by any means, they will be facing Patrick Mahomes, Andrew Luck, and Baker Mayfield in three straight weeks. I mean, that is... I mean, That's if a tough you, draw! I mean, that, that to me just screams you know, quarterback murderous row, if you will. I'm not saying that the defense will be up to the challenge because I think that obviously the defense will be much improved. And I think, you know, it'll be probably, I think a good amount of these games will be a lot closer than people think as far as the defensive battle. That said, you're still going up against Patrick Mahomes, Andrew Luck and Baker Mayfield in these, in these three, in these three games. And we all know historically, I mean, the Denver Broncos back, I mean, now we're, we're talking Peyton Manning years, and even Andrew Luck a little bit for that matter, too. The Broncos have struggled in Indianapolis. I mean, in Lucas Oil Stadium, they have struggled. I mean, 
Think back to that, should we say, even that Peyton Manning game, the game that they really should have won, and Omar Bolden saved our butts at least for a little bit and returned that punt for, for a score. I mean, we probably should have won that game, and we didn't. But the fact of the matter is, is that we really do struggle in Indianapolis and we struggle against Andrew Luck. Yeah, this this would be a good time to get the monkey off the back. And again, you know, Cody, you nailed it coming off of a Thursday night game. And I guess that would be the one benefit that the league gives you uh, when they only give you basically three days to rest after a game and playing that Thursday night game. Hopefully, eventually they get rid of those. But that's a different discussion for a different time. It is very nice having those 10 days to kind of recoup and game plan. And that's exactly what you need against an Andrew Luck and against an Indianapolis Colts team. And, you know, the last time that they played there, of course, you know, Andrew Luck was not healthy. And both of these teams were kind of bottom of the barrel at the time. Trevor Simeon gets hurt. Brock Osweiler comes in, you know, the big uh, the big Sequoia. They were calling him and, and, and let a comeback victory. So Jeff Hireman's highlight for that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the Jeff Hireman game. Um, no, nah, but anyway, I, I think the 10, the 10 days off are going to be really good for this team. Uh, this is, this is a defense that is built or is in the process of being built to stop guys like Andrew Luck, where you're going to get a more organic pass rush. And now you're not going to have to worry about cover zero. So the way that I understand it, uh, the secondary is going to be trusted to cover a little bit longer. So philosophy last year was we're going to go cover zero. We're going to go man to man straight across. We're going to go single high safety and we're just going to expect the defensive line to get in, get a sack and get pressure and force the ball out. Now, the problem is when you do that 90 to 95% of the time teams in the NFL tend to figure it out. So what do they do? They go short, they go short, they go short, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. That's all they do. And every once in a while, they're going to blow the top off because it's going to be busted coverage on coverage zero. This year is going to be different. You're going to have more of a focus on coverage, which is why they went out and they got a Bryce Callahan and a Kareem Jackson is why they're probably going to draft one or two more secondary position players in the upcoming draft. They are very deep in the secondaries, arguably their best spot on this football team, aside from maybe running back. So this team is engineered to stop guys like Andrew Luck. So I think that this is a win because of that 10-day layover, but it should be a very, very good game. And one that I'm excited to go to. I can't wait to see that stadium. That thing looks incredible. Yeah, it'll be a fun matchup for sure. Andrew Luck, and hopefully throughout this whole entire narrative, when we're talking about weeks one through eight right now, the hope, I think, for every team is that players are healthy and that players avoid injury. I mean, that's the one thing that we can never account for ahead of time. We, we just never know what the nature of the game. But that's why we have Mario. Mario's going to get the players right, and that's why we have him, because he gets us right as well. And Vitanzi Therapy. Oh, yes. And if you guys are in Denver, please check out Vitanzi Therapy. Go get your body right. Mario is a doctor of magic, and he's going to make things happen for you to feel better. If your ribs are hurting or if you have a neck cramp, you have migraines, guess what? He'll get it back into place, and everything will be good as new. But that the, the Broncos have a tough game at home. I mean, I think right now when we look at this matchup, week nine, right before the bye week against the Cleveland Browns, you get Baker Mayfield coming to town. You get Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., which is more important why I'm thinking right now the offseason addition of Bryce Callahan is great. Kareem Jackson, more so probably going to play safety so far as he's been doing so in veteran minicamp. 
this is big why the Broncos need to extend Chris Harris Jr. I mean, and no question about it, you had to pay the man because I, I'm sorry, you can't just rely on Devontae Bosby or a young guy like Isaac Adam right away to cover some of these guys that are prolific. I mean, Jarvis Landry, ridiculous. Odell Beckham Jr., ridiculous. You gotta have star power and having a guy like Bryce Callahan and Chris Harris Jr. and then guys like Yadam and Bosby coming in, then I think it's a little bit more suitable for your defense, but you're going to look for guys to exploit maybe some areas in your defense to test the young guys, to test the guys with not a lot of experience if Chris Harris Jr. is not on this team, which hopefully the case is they do extend him and we have our fingers crossed for that. But yeah, you know, quick thoughts on this before we get to the bye week, gentlemen. Cleveland Browns, it's a tough matchup. Baker Mayfield, he's got that fire, he's got that passion, and, and if he feels up waking dangerous, you just better hope that Von Miller woke up feeling deadly. I, I think for me, the, the one thing that I do worry about, not from a Broncos perspective, but from a Browns perspective, this is a lot of expectations for the Cleveland Browns this year. I mean, there is a lot of expectations with the Cleveland Browns. It's the first time I would say since they drafted Baker Mayfield though, but the fact that they've made the amount of moves that they made, the amount of now expectations that are heading that way, it's a lot. And you have a lot to certainly try and make those expectations come true. So it's up to Cleveland to certainly make it happen. I don't know whether or not, you know, Cleveland is going to go through with those expectations, but this is a type of game that in all honesty, if, if I'm being honest from a Browns perspective, I'm worried about this game just because the Broncos are coming in and you're looking at a defense that will be revamped. It will be focused. And we know that Joe Flacco has history against the Cleveland Browns. And I think that if you're Cleveland, I would be personally worried about this game. This is a tough draw, man. They, when I was talking earlier about how much talent the chargers have, the the Browns might be, you know, one of maybe two or three teams that they don't have more uh they don't have more talent than the Browns have done such a fantastic job of building everything from the ground up and just giving Baker Mayfield any and every weapon he could ever dream of. And, you know, I hate to burst your bubble, but if I'm looking at this correctly, isn't that the game that Kareem Hunt comes back? Or is that maybe the last game? Can you guys help me out with that? Is that maybe the last game of his suspension? He got eight games, right? Yeah, I, I think he did. I think this is the game. Isn't that the ninth game? So that'll be yeah. his first game back. Yeah. That sucks. Him That's Nick, a super him bummer. Chubb. Yeah, him as if, oh, as if you already didn't have enough to worry about. Now you got the, the woman beater Kareem Hunt who also uh, historically is very good against the Broncos. Now we got to see this clown again. Unbelievable. This this is a tough draw. I mean, the Browns very well could end up being the best team in the AFC when it's all said and done. Uh, I think that this is a loss, and I think the bye week comes at the perfect time. Um, but damn, guys, that's just one of those games you look at. It's almost like how we felt about looking at that Rams game last year when that Rams team was just so stacked, and it's like, well – you know, and I know that we were closer in that game than I think a lot of people thought, but really that with the late touchdown to Demarius Thomas in that game, that game wasn't that close. And I, I, I almost feel like it's going to be the same deal where this team, this Browns team now all of a sudden has gone from the laughing stock of the, the, of, uh, the NFL to now they are a juggernaut. They are talent wise, the toast of the AFC and possibly even the NFL. And, 
this is just one of those games. It's like, okay, let's say that they stop Odell Beckham. Let's say they stop him. Let's say he has zero catches. You still have to worry about Chubb, Kareem Hunt, David Njoku, uh, Jarvis Landry. I mean, it's just like there are so many weapons. Like you take one thing away, like you cut off one head, two more are going to grow elsewhere. And that's just how I see this Browns team. Uh, and, and after a tough stretch that the Broncos have and right before the bye week, you know, and it's good to have the bye week late in the season. But at that time, like when it comes around, they're going to be needing it. So I'm going to chalk that up as a loss. Yeah, that'll be a tough matchup for them. I know I'm eager to see how they do under new head coach Freddie Kitchens. We have to factor in two head coaches, new, you know, first time head coaches. How do they manage things in games? That's the one thing I, I'm really eager to see because, you know, players are on the field. But ultimately, when coaches give the calls, they got to execute and counteract whatever's not working. That's one thing I want to see what the Broncos can do in the first half of the season is can they adjust whenever they're struggling? I'm very confident. I mean, there, right now there's a lot of high praise for the Broncos staff. Coach Fangio says that they are a great teachers and we're getting the same exact feedback from Broncos coaches that Vic Fangio is a great teacher and that he's doing a great job and being involved in every little facet of what they're doing from offensive meetings giving offensive coordinator Rich Scandrillo some advice from a defensive coordinator standpoint on what he would do to counteract maybe an offensive scheme having that will be very very big and I, I think that's obviously what helped out with Matt Nagy in Chicago as well with Vic Fangio you do have that advice there but uh, we're going to get to obviously week 10 the Broncos on a bye week much needed midway point through the season getting ready to open up on the road for a two-game road stretch but before we jump into the last half of our show here to finish out weeks 11 through 17 gotta remind you guys to check out not only just Adam Mott is in the Locked On Nuggets podcast, check out Jenna Garcia and the Locked On Rockies podcast. The Rockies trying to get some magic back after starting off the season kind of sluggish, pun intended, but now they're battling, they're fighting, they're trying to climb back their way into the race as they look to get back on track. And Jenna Garcia with Locked On Rockies has you covered every single day. All right, gentlemen, we already talked about some of the divisional matchups here. We won't spend too much detail going into the part two of the divisional matchups on the second half of the season because they all play a factor in kind of what we already discussed. But the Broncos open up after the bye. Tough, tough two-game road stretch. I mean, you have a tough game right before the bye with the Cleveland Browns. You have a week off. You get to you know, fix whatever's not working. You get over through that, get some guys healthy, and then you open up on Sunday another 11 a.m. game on the road Eastern time zone game against Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs, former Bronco, Jordan Sunshine Taylor, and even Adam Thielen. So this is a big matchup for the Broncos on the road at Minnesota because we remember what happened in the preseason. Kirk Cousins was just absolutely lighting it up in the preseason. He looked good. They paid him a lot of money. Unfortunately, that didn't translate to the NFL regular season. So it's going to be interesting to see how this dynamic plays out with the Vikings, Kirk Cousins in year two. Not to mention, after the bye week begins the in the the early games every uh, should we say four of the five early games and not just the four of the five early games Cody you and I talked about it in the last podcast I mean you have back-to-back games basically of 11 o'clock games each uh, of that and I we know the Broncos historically do not play really good on those 11 o'clock games and the fact that and maybe the fact that they have 11 o'clock games back to back is probably going to be a good thing because it can finally get their fanny in gear to play really well on those 11 o'clock games. I don't know. And we know that at least that's one of the Fangio's things that he's going to get them to play every single week and week to week, death by inches. I think that the Minnesota Vikings game 
as far as all the teams are concerned with unpredictability, Jacksonville and Minnesota, these two, Jacksonville and Minnesota, are the two key, two teams for me that I have no idea what I'm getting. I mean, I, I know we're talking about a trap game with Tennessee, but Minnesota still has that elite defense down there. And I don't know what I'm going to get with Kirk Cousins, but the fact of the matter is they're going to be playing Kirk Cousins in a regular season game. And that's the guy that John Elway certainly wanted, as we know through all the rumors and everything else. That's the guy that John Elway wanted. So there could be a lot of emotions running high with that game in Minnesota. I think they come out away with a win, but this isn't necessarily a game that I'm going to be saying, hey, they could win by two touchdowns. I mean, they could, but defensively, it's just it's it's going to be a juggernaut battle. This is exactly the kind of game that you want to have after your bye week. If you have to go, like preferably it would have been Buffalo because, you know, with that coming up the following week, that's going to be the longest trip for the Broncos. And again, it's one of those 11 a.m. start times. So that would have been preferable uh, coming out of bye week. But, you know, going to I mean, technically East Coast, I guess it's more it's more northern than anything like kind of middle America. So it's not too bad. But this is the kind of team that you like having an extra week to prepare for, to rest for. Uh, I've, you've got to chalk this up to a win. So if I'm keeping track, I have the Broncos 6-3 in the break. I have them 7-3 and three after this week. Um, it, I, I don't buy into the, into the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know what it is. You know, this is a team where all they really had to do was run the ball better with Dalvin Cook last year, and they didn't do it. It's almost like they tried to force, force Kirk Cousins to justify giving him all that guaranteed money. And Kurt just didn't live up to the billing. And there are a lot of people in Minnesota baffled. It's like, how did Case Keenum do so much better with what was essentially the same exact team? Because they played to his strengths. They did not do that with Kurt Cousins. They were trying to justify him as an investment and ended up biting him in the ass. So it's going to be interesting, interesting to see if they if they switch the focal point of that offense, because as good as Stefan Diggs is, as good as Adam Thielen is, as good as Kirk Cousins can be, really what makes that Vikings offense tick is their running game. The reason that they almost made it to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago with Case Keenum and everybody here in Denver knows Case Keenum ain't really worth a damn. The reason that they were able to make it that far is because they consistently ran the ball. So the Vikings get back to that then I think they're going to be a much better team. But that still remains to be seen. I still do not like the Vikings' odds with the Broncos coming off of their bye week, having a chance to rest up, having a chance to get healthy, and then traveling out there, even though it's an earlier start time and it's a little bit of a further trip. It's coming off a bye week, man. That cannot be overstated. That extra week is crucial. Give me the Broncos in this one. I certainly agree. I like that, and I know that coming off that bye week, you know, there's a lot of rest and recovery. So guess what? They're going to spend some time at Vitanzi Therapy. Oh, that's but right. one of the other things too is they they followed up with another road game. <laughs> they followed up with another road game the following week on November 24th. It's starting to get a little colder in November in Buffalo, and now they got to go take on Josh Allen in the Bills. And I think really the strong point for them will be their defense. I'm not sure about Lashawn McCoy. I mean, we've seen with him, he's had a hard time staying healthy. 
And last year, that was his biggest deal. Can he stay healthy in 2019? Can he help out Josh Allen? Will Josh Allen take that next step? I don't know. I still think that there are a lot of flaws in his game that he won't overcome for necessarily, I think, a couple more years. So I think this is a favorable start to the Broncos' second half of the season at Minnesota coming off the bye and then at Buffalo against a quarterback that is pretty inexperienced. But the Broncos do have to account for he has won games and he's also caused teams problems with his legs running the ball, something we didn't think too much about because he has a big, big arm. But yeah, the, the Broncos got to go into Buffalo and still another one. Didn't the Buffalo Bills like sign 15 running backs in the offseason? I mean, it, it seemed like they were they signed a bunch of running backs. They even got Frank Gore, if I if I remember right. Um, yeah, the, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, it, I, I just don't don't see. I mean, I I mean, I don't know whether or not Josh Allen's going to amount to anything, but I can I can foresee the Denver Broncos starting two and zero out of out of the bye. I, absolutely, and I think that that's just the attributed to where we're at with the schedule and. And everything else, because as we all as we all talked a little bit about it earlier, it's a much favorable schedule after the bye week than it was before the bye week. And I might sound. Oh, sorry, Cam, go ahead. I was just saying. So if they if they end up doing, should we say, rather well before the bye week and have a winning record into the bye week, then it's very conceivable that they'll have a winning record at the end of the season. Man, I, I don't know if I sound crazy here. But we don't win in Buffalo. We do not go to Buffalo and win. I don't know what it is about that damn place. I don't know if it's just because this team is coming from basically the middle of the country, a little bit on the west and flying their asses all the way the hell out to Buffalo, New York, which, you know what, people, you might think that because it's in New York, it's close to New York. Nah, man, that stuff is like four-ish hours away from New York. This isn't New York. This is like basically Canada that they're going up to play. And I hate having to play in Buffalo because every year their team isn't that damn good. But guess what? Anytime the Broncos have to go to Buffalo, they lose. So, man, I hope they break this pattern. But until they do, I can't feel comfortable and confident that they can go into Buffalo and win a game. They had some good offseason additions, too. And, and, and I'm going to give them here in a second. I mean, they added John Brown, receiver from Baltimore. They added Mitch Morse's center coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs. And you have former Bronco Eddie Arbro. But I think the real difference maker in this game, guys, to be honest with you, for the Buffalo Bills, it's going to be something that Denver has to game plan to stop. And that's Isaiah McKenzie. I knew you were going to go there. How dare you? <laughs> you know, I just had to get a little uh, jab in there. And he, I think he had a better of a kind of a, a flourish a little bit in Buffalo than maybe he did in Denver. But a lot of people were testing that too. Well, Buffalo was utilizing the right way. I just don't think the system scheme for him in Denver was a fit at wide receiver compared to how it is in Buffalo. And unfortunately for him, he just couldn't feel the punt. And so unfortunately, that is history there. But yeah, they did add some talent in free agency this season. Kevin Johnson at corner. Back. They added Stephen Hoshka coming over from the Seattle Seahawks. They added uh, Tremaine Edmonds. They have him. And also Cole Beasley, too. Cole Beasley from the Cowboys, who, you know, he didn't have a lot of nice things to say about the Cowboys. He likes Buffalo. But yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup. And like you said, can the Broncos go into Buffalo and beat that streak? The last time they went into Buffalo and won in the regular season, you know, we talked about it the other day. It was when Jason Elam came onto the field with literally 10 seconds left. The Broncos had no timeouts. They got the snap off with one second left and they kicked the field goal. And that was a good kind of feel-good win for the Broncos. That's the last time they've won in Buffalo. So hopefully they can do that again, just not in as heart attack fashion. That when Marshawn Lynch was like 
a rookie. Stud, yeah, yeah. He was a rookie that season. I, I remember that. That was the game Dominic Hickson was on kickoff, and he suffered that neck injury that was very scary. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, was it Gerald uh, or Everett something? Yep. From the Bills, right? Yep. Drew yeah, Everett. man. That was, yeah, that was scary stuff. And that was a long time ago. I think I was a freshman in college back then, man. Had my whole life ahead of me. I had a full head of hair. Damn, that was a long time ago, boys. We better win this year. I was in eighth grade at the time. It's crazy how how much time that's been. So yeah, definitely got to break the streak because now I, I got to get back to that uh, the old the nostalgic field. And I'll never, I'll never forget that Jason Elam, the goat, definitely one of the uh, best place kickers of all time miss him in Denver but yeah that was definitely uh you know the Broncos got to snap that streak uh we talked a little bit about the divisional games earlier I know the Broncos host the Chargers week 13 we think that's one where they split it they lose at LA week uh week five but then in week 13 they split it they win in Denver so the Broncos based on what we've talked about so far could start off the second half of the season with three wins and then here's the real test too now you have a December game and thankfully it's in a dome but you got to travel to Houston to take on the Texans and, and Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, that connection that they have too, it's pretty special. But the question is, you know, with, with Will Fuller coming off of an ACL, I know they cut Demarius Thomas. He's now signing with the New England Patriots. I don't, I don't know what this Houston Texans team will look like next season. But if we can account for anything, if their defense plays the way that it did last year, then I think that they can have some success. But they, like I said, they lost Kevin Johnson. They lost Kareem Jackson. I, I am still right here. I have some question marks for this game. They also lost Tyron Matthew. That's a big I, loss, too. I, I, I mean, they. I think that for Houston, it's going to be interesting to see what they look like. Because, I, I mean, on paper, I still think they look like a pretty darn good team. And you're still looking at a pretty tough three-game stretch. I mean, this this is the, in my opinion, this is the toughest three-game stretch, uh, at least after the bye week. When you have Chargers, Texans, and then Chiefs. I mean, that to me is the toughest stretch, uh, at least after the bye week. But yeah, they, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where they go and, and certainly what the defense of Houston's going to look like at this point in the regular season because you're looking at week 14. Teams are vying for playoff position around this around this time. And obviously, we all, we all know with the AFC West and, and AFC South, you know, at this point. But I mean, yeah, I mean, who knows what, what we're going to be looking. I mean, Joe Flacco could be cooking with grease right now in this, in at least at week 14. We can only hope. But I, I think with 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 Denver though, this very well could be a win. Now, granted, what's it going to be? And this was my biggest biggest thing. This was my biggest frightening thing, is when you go from Houston in December from an eleven o'clock to Kansas City at eleven o'clock in December. in December. In December, this to me is the frightening stretch, in my opinion, of the entire schedule. I, I'm not scared of the Texans. I don't know what it is like. Maybe it's the same deal where I can't explain, like, <laughs> we can't beat Buffalo and Bef- Buffalo. The Texans don't bother me. They, to me, are a one-hit wonder. They were a very good team last year. They went on that run. Didn't they start, like, 0-3 and 0-4 and then just went on, like, that crazy run? Yeah. Uh, I think they – did they end up winning their division over the Colts? Regardless, they were the hottest team in football at one point. And as long as Bill O'Brien is the head coach of this team – they are never going to be serious contenders. That's it. So with the Broncos going into Houston, that trip doesn't really bother me. It's in a dome. And aside from Hopkins, no one on that team scares me. See, the Texans should have been paying attention to what the Chiefs did as far as bringing as many weapons to Patrick Mahomes as possible. 
Yeah, it seems like the Texans have kind of done the opposite of that. Like, they were just kind of good with DeAndre Hopkins, and that's it. Like, okay, they traded for Demarius Thomas, and they were using him, I mean, better than the Broncos were until he got hurt. But really, that's been the only real aggressive move that they have made as a franchise to help out their now franchise quarterback. So I like I like the storyline here where Kareem Jackson is now a Bronco. Bradley Roby is now a Texan. They were both longtime guys with their original teams. They're both first-round draft picks. So it'll be a fun little story. I'm sure ESPN or you know the powers that be are going to talk all about it because they have to find any talking point that they have. But I really don't think that the Texans can compete with this team. You know, you take the, the Colts basically showed the entire league what to do with the Texans. Uh, you triple team DeAndre Hopkins and just realize that no one else on that team can beat you. And that's how you beat the Houston Texans. I'm not worried about this game. Call me crazy. But then you got to go to Kansas City, which that to me is the concerning one, especially in December, especially Arrowhead Stadium. It gets loud there and it's cold in December at Arrowhead. I mean, this could be a game where we see snow in Kansas City. And that, you know, I I wouldn't be opposed to a snow game for the Broncos and the Chiefs. It might slow down the passing attack that we see with, you know, Patrick Mahomes. And who knows realistically right now, we don't know what the Chiefs will look like, especially if Tyreek Hill misses time, which could be something that is looming based on a report that was released today where Tyreek Hill's son was now taken away from both not only his mother but from Tyreek Hill as well. So that's an interesting development that from somebody I talked to, you can expect an announcement from the NFL League office regarding the investigation with Tyreek Hill in the next couple of weeks. So I, I don't know. I'm going to keep an eye on that situation. But if they lose Tyreek Hill, that's definitely big. I mean, they still have Sammy Watkins. They still have Travis Kelsey. And they, might, they still have Sammy Coates. But I'm, I'm sorry, it's not a Tyreek Hill, a guy that's got blazing speed that you really have to double team I mean you have to try to do whatever you can to put two safeties over the top and hopefully just be able to stop him you know that you're going to have cover two underneath with the corner playing press and then you're going to have a safety play in that deep third and then you're going to have the safety safety playing over the middle in the middle third and it's almost going to be like a shell disguise coverage you're going to see that's what the Patriots did with Tyreek Hill they did a very good job at it and they contained him a little bit so I, I think that's something that we got to keep an eye on I don't know how that's going to play out but yeah anytime you go into Arrowhead in DC December and you you know you got a couple games left on the season and seeding and wins are so important this is a big big game this might end up being one of the biggest games of the season and I hate saying that because man if you look back historically and and maybe there's someone out there that's listening to this that can double check it if my memory serves correct the Broncos have won either once or twice I think once in Kansas City in December in their history as a team. And the time they won is when we had Peyton Manning and the Chiefs were one of the worst teams in the NFL. So this game scares me, man, with or without Tyreek Hill. And it certainly should be without Tyreek Hill. I mean, I've been very outspoken about what a terrible human being I think that he is. And he's proven that, you know, when you think that people change from the kind of monster that he was inherently, they they really don't change. But again, another conversation for another day. I hate Tyreek Hill. He's a piece of garbage. Anyway, this is a huge game. So if the season is kind of gone the way that I've been, I've been predicting it, the Broncos are on the cusp of playoffs, maybe on the cusp of a division title. And this is, and it's not going to be a must win game. At least I wouldn't think, I mean, it could come down to that point, but it's going to be a huge game either way. This late division game on the road 
It should be really good. See, this is actually the one that the schedule makers should have made as the primetime game. Uh, but I'm glad they didn't because a primetime game in Kansas City in December, that is just about the toughest task that you can ask for. So this is going to be a knock them down, drag them out, absolute fight. And I'm excited to watch it, but I'm very nervous because there's just there's like a mental block. Like, man, I just don't see Denver winning in Kansas City in December. It's a tough ask. Well, I'm just glad that we don't have to listen to Chris Collinsworth on this call, too, because that would have been even more painful. Uh, but we're going to look actually doing some live in-game commentary. We're going to find a way to make that happen during some of these Broncos games. So that'll be a fun little element that we're going to add for listeners around Broncos country. But we, we're going to get into Week 16, and then we know the Week 17 finale against the Raiders. We talked about that a little bit uh, already, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. But Week 16, I mean, this could be a Saturday night football game. It could be flexed to Sunday against the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia, Matthew Stafford that everybody in Broncos country was saying, hey, the Broncos should trade for Matthew Stafford. Well, that didn't never happen. They got Joe Flacco, which I'm actually more okay with because Matthew Stafford does have a big arm. But I don't know, just based on looking at Detroit, they still have a long ways to go, in my opinion, before they get back to playing good football. And I think for the Broncos hosting them at you know at Broncos Stadium in Mile High in December, I think this bodes very, very well for the Broncos. I think my hope is hopefully we know what day they're going to be playing. I mean, no, I, I, I'm kidding. Because right now, because <laughs> I mean, right it's now. It's a toss up right now. Right. It's a toss up right now. We don't know if they're going to play on Saturday or they're going to be on uh, on Sunday. And obviously we all know the time is, you know, TPD. I, I think it's it's just going to be one of those things where, you know, again, you just hope that the Denver Broncos show up on Sunday uh, against with this Detroit Lions team because this should this should be a win on paper. It should be a win on paper. I'm not saying it's a trap game like the Tennessee Titans by any means, but uh, not to use that that crummy old adage any given Sunday. But yeah, the the Broncos have to sh- show up against the Detroit Lions, especially with the fact you want to finish the regular season out still at home against the Oakland Raiders, and you want to send them to Vegas unhappy. And. Fangio's familiar with the Lions. The Lions aren't that good of a team. They they put too much stock into Matthew Stafford without really giving him any weapons. I mean, here's another guy, man. I feel so bad for him. Ever since Calvin Johnson retired, who has Matt Stafford really had as a formidable target? And don't tell me for one second that it's Golden Tate, okay? Now, maybe they finally have a run game with on Johnson, and they showed a little bit of promise last year. Uh, and it was Matt Patricia is their head coach now, right? The former, yeah. the former Patriots D corner. So that that's an upgrade over what they had, but it, it's just not a good team. And you talk about they're a dome team and they're going to have to come to Denver in December. Boys, we know it's going to be cold, might be snowing. This, they don't strike me as an outdoor team, which is funny because they're from Detroit, but they play in a dome. Dome teams, in my opinion, man, are soft. And as I'm saying that now I'm realizing that, you know, the Saints are a dome team and probably <laughs> one of the best teams in the NFL. So, OK, anybody listen, like, I'm sorry if I offended dome teams. It's, it, it, it's less about dome teams and more about the fact that I think the Lions just are not a very good team. And I think the Broncos for sure close out the season uh, with two wins against these teams. 
I agree, and I think it sets it up for the the Week 17 finale against the Raiders. The Broncos always end their regular season against a divisional opponent, and they did it last year against the Chargers. They did it the year before against the Chiefs. We saw Patrick Mahomes' first ever NFL game. This year they ended it against the Raiders. And, you know, here's the thing. We, we went over the schedule in depth here. Uh, right before we get off air here, as we're coming to a close on the show, I, I want to kind of put out a little, you know, my expectation for the Broncos based on the schedules, based on everything so far, is it would be amazing if they made the playoffs in 2019. That's the hope for everybody. Now, if they don't make the playoffs but play really competitive football, I'm not opposed to that because I think there are some growing pains with the new coaching staff. I think it will make them better ultimately down the road, but I wouldn't be too upset if that were the case. Now, we all want the Broncos to win every single season. We want them to be in the playoffs. We want them to win the division. That is an absolute thing. If they if they do that, I'm the most excited guy on the planet. But realistically, my expectations, I'm not going to have reasonably super, super high expectations this season just because of everything. The Broncos are enduring a culture change. They're in a Coach Fangio. It's going to be a new look Broncos. They're going to be look more disciplined. That's going to be a big, big thing for this Broncos coaching staff. They want more discipline. That's what the organization brought Vic Fangio in for so if they don't get back to the playoffs right away I'm not going to press the panic button as I know a lot of people in Broncos country are you know they'll do that if the Broncos are losing I'm going to give it a little bit of time though I've got expectations not only just for for this year but down the road and if they make the playoffs I'm excited if they win I just want to see them get back to competitive football and not making those same mistakes that had haunted them the last couple of seasons under Vance Joseph for me that would be a huge win for them as we know, it obviously is subject to change with uh, the NFL draft coming up and, and and the added depth that that changes with that. So we, we all know that sometimes that that can be subject to change. But I mean, for me, I'm going into this 2019 season just for improvement. I mean, if if like you said, good, if we make the playoffs and we, and we show the, uh, um, you know, the, the the NFL world that the Broncos are, are in that a or playoff team, which, by the way, if the Denver Broncos make the playoffs, Vic Fangio should be just given the Coach of the Year award just for strict, you know, ability to make that happen. And I think, though, for me, they just for the for the Broncos, they have to just show improvement. And I and one of the keys is going to end up being, you know, what will we get from a guy like a Philip Lindsay in his second season, a Royce Freeman in his second season, a Cortland Sutton in, in his second season, a Deshaun Hamilton in his second season. What will we get in Joe Flacco? In his first season, uh, and I think that you know, as we as we all know, everything hinges on the quarterback position. And if we get a good Joe Flacco, a, a should we say a, a relatively good Joe Flacco, paired with a defense that's now been gelling, should we say, throughout a season with Vic Fangio, then I think you're feeling pretty good. And I think for me, I think. You're just you 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 just have to look at it strictly from an improvements perspective, and if they make the playoffs, then I'm jumping for joy. Boys, what's the most important position on the entire football field? Quarterback. Thank you. So this season will live and die as Joe Flacco goes. Are we going to get borderline elite Joe Flacco? Because look, listen, we talked about this. Well, I think the last time that I was on, the most touchdowns that Flacco's ever thrown in a season, it was like 26 or 28 or something, it's not groundbreaking, okay? But as long as he can manage games and keep this team in it, then this could potentially be, you know, a a 10-11 win team. I think that's their ceiling. I think it's a really tough ask to expect more than 11 wins. I think 11 is the absolute max. 
But shoot, man, if Flacco disappoints the way that Case Keenum disappointed, I don't think he will because this is a new offensive scheme. It's not going to be like the boring crap and the nonsense that we had to we had to withstand for like the last three seasons. This is something that Flacco is familiar with. So it's going to look a bit a little bit more fluid on offense. But if they don't take that next step and if Flacco does not turn out to be the guy that we're hoping that he is, and we're not really expecting that much after having to watch Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, quarterback expectations in Denver are at an all-time low, okay? So really, Flacco can do can go nowhere but up as far as where this franchise is. That being said, I think the, the, the floor of this season is a six-win team. And it is going to depend 100% on Joe Flacco. The defense can only be so good. And they are going to be very good. They're going to be very advantageous. They're going to make a lot more plays. They're going to be more sacks. They're going to be more interceptions, more turnovers, fewer points scored, fewer yards. But if you can't score points, it doesn't freaking matter. So this is, you know, we talked all about all these teams that are hard to uh, hard to predict and hard to kind of put your thumb on. The Denver Broncos are that ultimate team. If you told me that they're going to win six games, I would say, yeah, I, I believe you. If you told me that they're going to win 11 games, I would say, yeah, that makes sense. Neither would shock me. And anything in between, it, it just nothing would surprise me at this point. Now, we're going to revisit this, obviously, after the draft and kind of reevaluate the team and all the other teams, especially the divisions. But as of now, I mean, realistically, I see them as a 9-10 win team currently. Yeah, so, you know, that's my reaction to that there. I, you know, Kirk Cousins got to give a little shout out there. Uh, you know, I agree with that, Mario. I think that's a fair evaluation, too, because I, I think with everything that the Broncos have gone through the last two seasons, I mean, look, Von Miller has been tried and true. Despite the struggles, despite the adversity, he wants to stay a Bronco for life. He wants to be part of this forever. And he's been he's the guy for the Broncos. He's the main guy. He's the MVP. And hopefully the Broncos could bring Chris Harris Jr. into that regard as well. But, hey, want to thank Mario for joining us here for our schedule breakdown. Obviously, my co-host Cameron Parker. A very, very extensive episode here for your Friday listening pleasure. If you don't get to listen to it on Friday, guess what? We have you covered all weekend with this jam-packed episode, full-on schedule breakdown. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and obviously, we're going to get Mario back on again because we are well-adjusted with Mario Vitanzi. If you guys need your back worked on, you just feel out of place, go check out Mario. Mario uh, Vitanzi Therapy. Mario does a phenomenal job, and you get to see some really cool uh, jerseys hanging up in the office. You get to see a lot of Broncos pictures. You can see a lot. And also, you get to interact with the GOAT himself. But yeah, Mario, thank you so much, my man. It's been fun doing this. And we're going to have absolutely have more on the way here for Broncos country. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure as always.